Philippians 3, verses 1 to 2. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Colossians 4, verses 2 to 4. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the, uh, the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Lua Thessalonia tolu, faipoe lua, mo mua male lua, oletoe upule nei le ausoe, ia o tau tatalo mo i matou, ia televave ma i mamalu le fionga le lii, e faapei ona faiate o tau. Ia lavea ina fo i matou, ai tangata mi o leanga mai ang sala, au wae leo i tangata uma le fatua tua. Colosse fa, luai ol fa, ia o tau fin finau le tatalo, ia mataala i lea mea ma le faftai. Nga tatalo ia mo i matou foi, Nga ia fawa noa mai e lea tua se fai tato le upu mo i mātou. E tautala tu ai le upu ia keriso sa lilo, o nga lea foi ua nonoa tia i au. Nga ia ou fai loa atu ai, fa pei o nga tau o nga o tautala tu ai. So after the church was accepted into the village by the village, as I told you, the extended, some extended family members started coming on, so there were more challenges more difficulties. Uh, they took us to court twice, once to try to take the title away. And the judge there said, Sir, to the one who was leading the charge, you are the one who co-signed the certificate. And they dismissed the case. Then they tried to stop us from starting the church on the land. But it wasn't family land. It was land that Emmy's dad cultivated, so it was protected. So they lost both cases. Then they went after the people who started coming, mocking them and taunting them. There were racial slurs, calling them palangis because they were going to a church where there was a white person and all this kind of stuff. But God just kept bringing people, and there was this bond that was formed in the church in the beginning. Just amazing. We would have Sunday night services and we weren't watching the clock for the hour because after the preaching, we would open it to testimonies and we might go an hour and a half as one person after another started sharing the testimony of what they encountered that week and how they just kept responding with grace, how they would not answer because we just kept preaching that and teaching that and it made for a strong core Mission possible to Operation Samoa. How ought we to pray for our missionaries? We can add to these great suggestions that came out with some ideas from the Apostle Paul. Certainly he prayed for all of those churches he planted and as they went around. And he was always on mission, always. Whether it was the three missionary journeys that are 
given to us in the book of Acts or his later years or in prison or on the sea or when shipwrecked, any account we see of him, he was always on missionary. He was this great missionary. And as he wrote letters to encourage the churches that he planted or helped plant, and he would write these things, and we have beautiful prayers recorded. If we want to say, how ought a missionary pray, we can look at that and see. But there are a few instances where he says, pray for us. Pray for me. And I think as we look at them tonight, we can get some insights uh, into that. And so let's begin with 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 to 2. Finally, brothers, pray for us. Think about that. The great apostle Paul asking the the people in the pew, pray for us. Who's the us? It's Paul, Silvanus. Uh, Timothy. They're mentioned in the first verse of both 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. Pray for us as we endeavor to plant churches, as we endeavor to share the gospel, as we uh, meet, uh, meet people, share the gospel, and God opens their eyes and opens their hearts and they get saved and they're in churches and we build them up and encourage us and we face opposition. Pray for us. Paul prayed for them. For the sake of time, I won't read a few of the prayers he prayed specifically for them. We'll just concentrate on them. And now he's saying to them, pray for us. Pray for me and the fellow laborers. How? Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. Or as Emmy read, that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified. What a prayer. Other, ver- uh, other versions simply use the word run. It's the Greek word treko. It's the word in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. It's talking about that, that the word would be unhindered, that it would go forth without any hindrance at all. Let it run, that the word would be unhindered, that it would be unbound. Second Timothy 2.9, Paul says how he's suffering for the gospel, bound with chains as a criminal, in bonds as an evildoer. And then he adds this at the end of 1 Timothy 2.9, but the word of God is not bound. Pray for the missionaries. Go out on the board. See the smart board and the main screen and look on the right-hand side and scroll up and pray for each one of them as they minister in different parts in this world, different regions, to different people groups, that the word would run forth, that it would speed ahead, that it would have free course Pray that way. That would be one great way to add to protection and provision. I put it this way. The first thing Paul prays for is velocity. And I was very deliberate in that word because velocity is more than just speed. About The only thing I remember from Bordentown Regional High School in Physics 1 and 2 is some of those formulas. They stick. And I've never used them until tonight. F delta T equals M delta V, force times whatever the change in time equals mass times the change in velocity. Velocity is a little different than speed, even though we kind of use those interchangeably in casual conversation. It means to velocity is the speed in a particular direction. Pray for that, that the word would speed ahead. Because many people run to and fro. You can be busy as a missionary. You could be going all over and doing stuff. But if the word doesn't run ahead with direction and have that velocity, 
If there's not an aim and a purpose, and if our energies aren't directed to it, remember Acts chapter 6, we often consider that how deacons were first instituted. They said, it's not right for us to leave the word of God to serve tables. They knew it's about the word of God, but we ought to pray that in each of those areas, the word can go out unhindered. But Paul not only prays for the speeding ahead, the trekkle, he prays this as well, and be honored and be glorified, that the word would not just go full speed ahead in a very particular pointed intentional direction to accomplish its purposes. We know that about God's word. His word does not return void. We know it's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, but it's the Lord's work to direct that word. And then it says, and be glorified and be honored. See the word picture there. And let the word win. Let the word run its course and be victorious so that it gets glorified, so it gets crowned, so that it gets honored. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Like so many places in the scriptures, you'll see the analogy of an, uh, of an athlete. May the word of God outrun all of its opponents. That's a good prayer. That's a good way. Oh, Lord, use this missionary. Lord, use him and have your word have free course through him in the area where he's ministering. That's a great prayer. Like I said, when I went out to the village, I wasn't ready to preach. I remember calling a one invitation. I couldn't figure out how to say come. I wanted to invite people to come, and I couldn't think of the right word. And I froze. But what God did, God's word was not hindered by my inabilities. Amen? I mean, those are the days when I wrote a sermon, 16 pages in Samoan, and I gave it to my wife, the teacher, and she read, inked that whole thing over and gave me lectures and all of that, and I would try to say things and I'd mispronounce, but God, his word wasn't hindered. Pray for that. Pray that his word would outrun all of its opponents. You see, there are so many competing voices to the word of God. There are so many books that compete with our book. But oh, pray, Lord, use that missionary and may your word have free course. May your word run, speed ahead and be effectual. You say, well, how do we take the metaphor and turn it into the actual? How do we look at this and say, well, what does that look like? What does that mean? Nice analogy But what does it mean? But it's right there in our text. Because Paul prays for the velocity of the word. He prays for the victory of the word. But then he says this. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. And he says, take your very own testimony. Take what happened to you. If you would just go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and read all 10 of those verses and look at them and you see what it looks like, what happens when the word wins, when it has free course, it outruns all of its opponents and it's crowned. And I'm going to try to do a little speed reading as we look at this. Paul and Savanius and Tim, uh, Tim Motheus under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 2, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith as I go down to verse 5. 
For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. And in verse 6, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Ghost. See, that's what it looks like when the word wins. That it goes out and it goes out in power. And it was amazing what we saw in the second church plant is these people were being afflicted. You know, it's a shame, honor culture, a respect, shame culture. So to be taunted and jeered as they walk down the street by people they know, they've lived with their whole life was very shameful. To be kicked off of your family land unless you get out of that church and you still say, no, I will stay in the church, I'll find somewhere else to live. The kind of things that happened, they came with tears, but they came with joy. That was the word of God and nothing else. That was the spirit and the word. So pray for your missionaries because God can do that. And he could use the most unlikely of people. It goes on in chapter 1. For you are examples to all that believe in Macedonia and in Achaia, but also in every place, etc., etc. In verse 9, you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. That's what it looks like when the word wins. Pray for that. Pray for your missionaries to see that reality, to experience that reality, to align their every effort to be intentional and to align their every effort with that. We'll go on. The third thing Paul prays for is security. And we heard that from Pastor Walker, and he didn't even look at my notes. We often pray for safety, but we should pray for safety and security. Uh, There's a little bit of a difference. Safety usually refers to hazards, accidents, whereas security is protection from intentional evil actors. Pray for both, for their safety and for their security. That would be very important. And so we see that also in this text, that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. As Amy read it, from unreasonable and wicked men. And I I love looking at the different versions now because it pushes me back to the original language to say, what are these nuances? Why is it this way and why is it that way? And I found out that first word, wicked or unreasonable, atopos, it means out of place, unrighteous, wicked, harmful. And so I looked at the only three times we find the word in scriptures to, to get a sense. When the Apostle Paul is writing to them and he says, here's the prayer request of the missionary. Pray that we may be delivered from wicked men. Well, that word was used once by one thief on the cross to the other. And he said, this man, speaking to Jesus, has done nothing amiss, nothing wrong unreasonable, not having, not being according to reason and logic. He's done nothing wrong. It's used another time when the Apostle Paul was shipwrecked and he landed on Malta and the natives there were kind to him and they built a fire to help everybody warm up after that and the fire attracted a snake, that venomous viper, and it grabbed onto Paul's hand and wouldn't let go and he had to shake it off. And the Natives first thought, the scriptures say, Acts 28, that very last chapter, 
after that awesome chapter 27 about the shipwreck. And at first in that passage, they thought the gods are punishing him. He must be a murderer. But then after he shook it off and they waited a long time and he didn't swell up and he didn't fall down and he didn't die, then they thought he was a god. Because no harm, Atopos, came to him. I said, wow, look at this word. Deliver us from harmful men, from men who are out of place among believers, from men who do not have faith, to men who would be wrong in their thinking and harmful in influencing others' thinking. Deliver us from them. I have to tell you, the missionaries are facing cultural predispositions. They're facing cults that exist there already. They're facing so many things that are harmful, that are wrong, that are amiss, that are out of place. And they're dealing with that. So as the word is going out and you're preaching the word, at the same time, you're untraining all these ways people look at it, how they look about ancestors. You have to preach it as appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment. And you have to kind of keep that kind of teaching going on because you have people saturated in our particular field with a superstitious mindset that reveres ancestors and attributes all kinds of things to ancestors and seeing them walking in the night and they have what's called ma'eaiku, it's ghost sickness or sickness because of an ancestor and those kind of things and you just keep preaching the truth and you have to pray for the missionaries for their safety and for their security for their deliverance from wicked and evil men let's do real quickly over in Colossians and we'll finish up tonight in another prayer request I skipped over Romans 15 if you go to Romans 15 30 to 32 you'll see in that place Paul also prays for uh, him to be delivered from those who would uh, be uh, who would oppose him You'll see that from unbelievers. And then we're going to jump into this Colossians passage very quickly and see two more things. We ought to pray for our missionaries. Pray for our missionaries that the word would win there. Pray for their deliverance from wicked and evil men. And in Colossians, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for the word. As Emmy read, a door of utterance to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Pray for opportunity. Pray for opportunity. See, that is entirely of God as well. And sometimes we're tempted, this missionary's doing great because lots of stuff is happening over there. And that missionary, we're not really seeing results. Pray for every missionary for opportunity. For God-ordained opportunities for the doors that he opens. We know our job as missionaries is to go there, be faithful, prepare, preach, uh, have all kinds of ministries, build relationships, all those things we do as ministries. But all of these things are in God's control. Pray, as Paul asked, that God may open us a door for the word. And then in verse 4, and we'll finish with this that I might make it clear. See, he says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ 
on account of which I'm in prison. Did you notice he didn't pray for open prison doors? He prayed for an open door for the word because he was always on mission. He was still a missionary when he was in a jail cell, when he was on house arrest, when he was chained to someone, always on mission. But his prayer wasn't pray for us that God would open these prison doors. He said, pray that God would open a door of opportunity for the word. And then he says in verse 4, that I might make it clear or manifest, which is how I ought to speak. And so the fifth and final thing, pray for clarity. Every missionary that goes out to whatever field, pray that they would be able to speak clearly the gospel. And that's going to take training. In many, in many cases, it's the language. Once I realized my salmon wasn't as good as I thought it was, I never worked so hard at anything in my life to quickly get up to where I thought I ought to be to be able to share the word of God. Because I knew to have clarity for me meant to be able to do it in the salmon language extemporaneously just how I can in English. And I worked at it like a maniac and I drove my wife crazy. And she still stayed with me. Amen. To be able to speak clearly, whether that means language, whether that means knowing your people, you don't have these illustrations that don't fit. Don't come to Samoa and give an illustration of a train. There are no trains. That kind of thing. To pray for each of the missionaries that they would have opportunities and as God opens those doors of opportunity that they might make the gospel and the word of God clear. Let's end with another video hymn, and then we'll be dismissed. This one.